Well, welcome back, friends, on this lovely and beautiful Solemnity of the Most Sacred Heart. And uh, we want to welcome to the program uh, the Director of uh, Pro-Life Ministries right here in the Diocese of Trenton, Rachel Hendricks. Hey, Rachel. What's Rachel. what's hey, new? How- hey, how you doing? <laughs> what's going on? I'm doing well. It's my sincere pleasure to be with you, especially today on this beautiful uh, Solemnity of the Most Holy Sacred Heart of Jesus. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. And I think the applause was for uh, things we need to be pretty happy about today. Yeah, rejoicing and thanksgiving at, at, at all times for God's mercy and for all that He provides for us, especially mm-hmm. today, as most of your listeners uh, may have already heard, mm-hmm. that the Supreme Court of the United States has issued their opinion in the Dobbs case to have a full overturn of Roe v. Wade. Uh, so I, I guess you've been hearing a lot about that through the day. I know my ears have been to the radio and to mm-hmm. social yes media and hearing all kinds of commentary. Yeah. Well, I guess they're there too, Rachel. And hopefully um, with your uh, wealth of knowledge on the subject, you can clarify for people because this is a, a beautiful day and it's an exciting day, a joyful day because thousands of babies will be saved and lives will be spared. But you know, what's, what I think is being misunderstood by some is that this decision, this opinion decision by the Supreme court Overturning overturning Roe versus Wade does not eliminate abortion completely throughout the throughout the land. That's right. That's right. And that's a very important distinction to make. So we'll go back to the pre Roe v Wade days of before January twenty second, nineteen seventy three, where the um, the situation for abortion existed, where each state was to decide if, when, and how abortion would be allowed in each state. So you're right. This is not, and you know, we, re, we rejoice not today, not because the Dobbs decision is offering exactly what we ultimately want, right? We as Catholics and people of goodwill, ultimately what we want for all human beings is to have equal protection um, and full protection under the law, regardless of our stage in development, regardless of our um, of our race, of our gender, of our um, anything about us. The fact that we are human beings gives us, us the dignity, and we deserve, all of us, full protection under the Constitution. But we, we rejoice today because what the Dobbs decision does for us, it offers us a path forward to true prenatal justice and holistic care of women and families. In the past, um, Roe created an obstacle to our legislator being able to extend protection under the law to the weakest and most vulnerable in the unborn child. And now we begin the real hard work of developing our knowledge and our understanding of not only the teachings of the Church, but really of human nature, which of course is guided mm-hmm. through God the Father, creator of all. Um, but we have the hard work of persuading some of our friends and neighbors, our fellow Catholics, our fellow citizens, to enact real policies and protections that offer comprehensive help to abortion-vulnerable women and families. Mm. Um, and, you know, here in New Jersey, we, we struggle with that, mm. for sure. You know, today there are several states in the U.S., um, because of the Dobbs decision, will enact legislation. Some of them have trigger laws, actually, that may place uh, large-scale restrictions on availability of abortion. So those are the pro-life states that have been waiting for this moment. They've already passed legislation, mm-hmm. but those that legislation to restrict abortion has been held up in the courts 
because of Roe. Mm-hmm. And so in some states, they'll see an opening up of uh, a true pro-life culture of life experience in those states. And then on the other side, there are other states who will switch to become more abortion expansive. And unfortunately, that's where we are here in New Jersey. And, you know, last month, some of the listeners might remember, we talked a little bit about the abortion expanding legislation that did pass here in New Jersey in January. And it kind of took us from really, really bad to even worse, even mm-hmm. though some of us <laughs> wondered, could we get much worse? Right. Um, and for your listeners, and a lot of people don't really understand that abortion is legal in the state of New Jersey through mm-hmm. all nine months of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And we do have providers that are providing abortion to late-term viable um, babies in the womb. Mm-hmm. Um, it's horrific, and it's, it's very hard to kind of process and digest. But this is happening in New Jersey. Some people think it's kind of only a theoretical thing that late-term abortions, oh, well, they're allowed, but they don't really happen. And they do. They do. Even in the state of New Jersey, as for the last um, the last count of abortion um, numbers in the state of New Jersey, which, by the way, are very underestimated because New Jersey does not require full reporting of abortion statistics. But when you look at the numbers that they do have, uh, the last numbers from 2017 showed almost 50,000 abortions took place in the state of New Jersey in that year. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the statistics, about 1%, so it's a low percentage of, of, of those abortions are reported as being on late-term or viable babies. 1%, though, that's like 500 babies. Mm. Um, and we know that all children should be protected um, uh, from this horrific act of abortion, even at the moment of conception. Yeah. Rachel? But now, you know, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I have a question. So... Um... It, you know, they play with the language. If mm-hmm. somebody says, well, I, a woman says, I want a right to choose. And, and it, for me, that interprets to mean, you mean you want the right to murder someone, right? Right, right. So there's a bit, right, there's been a t- very harsh twisting of language that for many people has been confusing and they've been misguided and misled by the language kind of switch yeah. that um, the pro-abortion advocates would would use. Right. Um, you know, they, they don't want us to refer to babies in the womb as babies or children. You know, we, all of a sudden we switch to a very medical term. And this word choice that's come up um, is something that's reflective of uh, not only a culture that becomes more pushes us to see ourselves as kind of autonomous beings, kind of like everything has to satisfy what is the good for just me instead of the common good, which is the Catholic worldview. We work to the common good of all people. And now it's kind of pulled into a self-centeredness of of my choice at all costs. And, you know, when you look at the reality of what the choice is, Cheryl, as you pointed out, we're talking about, you know, the, the lethal ending and violent end of a baby's life, and that by the choice, if you use their terminology, the mm. choice of a mother to end the life of their child. And I, I often think of the conversion of St. Paul, you know, as he thought he was righteously acting in, um, in good conscience as a good Jew and killing the Christians. You know, and he was knocked off his horse and like scales that falsehood fell from his eyes and he saw the truth. And I would just hope that the Catholic response to all of this would be one where we would 
speak the truth in true language that is reflective of reality, but speak that truth in real heartfelt compassion for those that just are misguided for whatever has occurred in their life or led them to accept these falsehoods. You know, you know one thing I think that, I don't know if it's being discussed a, a lot at the moment, but uh, looking back uh, over the past few years, um, were it not for President Trump putting two Supreme Court justices, Amy Coney Barrett and uh, Brett Kavanaugh, in that position, this could this could have been a little bit different. And, right. and uh, these are constitutionalist uh, uh, judges, and, and uh, uh, so there's a lot to be said for, you know, these pro-life uh, Supreme Court judges who, who are in, in in that position right now. And they're taking on the voice of the unborn who have no voice. We, we all have to stand up for this. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. And, and not to leave out Justice Gorsuch. That's right. As well, who was appointed by um, President Trump. And, you know, absolutely what we need to do as faithful citizens um, is to reflect on the deep meaning of these elections and the consequences of our choices are very profound. We can't underestimate the responsibility and the obligation that we have in a country that's founded under the principles that we were all created um, by our God with um, full human dignity, and it's meant for hu- full human justice under the law. Um, and so... You know, uh, some people on the pro-abortion advocacy side will point to the religious beliefs of these um, constitutionalist uh, Supreme Court justices who recently appo- uh, appointed. But really, what if you read their opinions carefully, and I have not been able to read through all of uh, Justice Alito's uh, comments yet. It's been such a crazy mm-hmm. morning. Mm-hmm. But in truth, they are traditional constitutionalists. And that's what guided them to accept this case in the first place, because if there had been other uh, justices who were more in line with, you know, others that have chosen um, more decisions that side with a post-abortion view, Mm -hmm. um, they wouldn't have accepted this case. And that's what's happened in the past. Cases have come and gone, but none of them have been able to rise up to the level of the Supreme Court. Now we have the Supreme Court justices that uh, see that this is a valuable case to take. It's warranted for serious discernment and discussion, and um, and they accepted they accepted that challenge. And um, if you had a chance to listen to the oral, oral arguments on December first, it was very interesting to hear their pointed questions, truly looking to see how this uh, how Roe could be defended. They gave every opportunity for those mm-hmm. arguments to be heard right. and ultimately decided that Roe had no standing and in so, the first place. And so that that was the main issue, is that it's not in the Constitution of the United States to guarantee abortion uh, at all. And and you, you're too young. I know Cheryl's too young as well. But I remember in 1971, so a little over 50 years ago, when these abortion rights were up to in, individual states— and I, I remember, because I lived here in Jersey, but I remember when New York State legalized abortion. Um, and just to give you an example of how things have changed, there was an episode of the old program Maud in 1971 where she became pregnant and she the character lived in New York State. It was obviously issue-driven. And she her character decided that she was going to have an abortion. 
And so controversial was it that there, there was not one company that would sponsor that program. Oh. They pulled their sponsorship from it because of that, that program, and CBS aired it anyway. And so this, that, wow. was the, that was the beginning. And that, but this is where it's going, it's going to go back to the individual states to decide, let the people decide in each individual state uh, whether or not they want this. And, and you mentioned the trigger laws, uh, uh, Rachel, and that, I, as I understand it, means that as of the moment of this decision being announced, uh, if in a, any particular state, and I don't know the, the, the states that have these laws, but, but those restrictions went into effect immediately, immediately right? Immediately, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Barring any, you know, state Supreme Court that might put a stay. But my understanding is that those states are still uh, in accord with those decisions that some of them had been made many, many years ago, sometimes decades ago. So, right, that trigger, it's called a trigger law because the moment Roe is overweight, it would it would cause those laws already enacted, already signed by a governor to to be enacted in that state, right, for sure. So what happens um, now, What happens now with the pro-life movement? You know, we have the march in Washington, but it's all going to go back to the states now. So it's up to individual state pro-life organizations to work within their state and within their, their, their legislatures and things. Is that how it's going to break down, you think? Yes, yes. And what this will open up truly in each state is the opportunity for a true democratic debate debate on the issues. And we've never been able to really have this before because Roe was that overarching federal obstacle. Um, So we enter into a time where we really need to up our knowledge about this area, connect with our legislators, meet with them, and, and let them know our real beliefs. Uh, you know, in the abortion issue, but but also in a variety of other issues. You know, this is a very has the potential to be a very very divisive time, right? And this, in a way, this this happening today is just the beginning of our work. And people as faithful Catholics and people of goodwill, we need to really see what we are meant to be by God. We're meant to be one church. We're meant to be walking with people who are in need. We're meant to be following the guidance of of our Lord and finding common ground, even with those with whom we disagree. I was reading something from Robbie George, a noted Catholic in our diocese at um, Princeton University, and, you know, he was saying that we really have to have malice toward none but charity for all. Mm. In the midst of this kind of chaos that we may experience because of the road decision, we really need to stay away from the political talk that talks of this side or that side, us and them, mm. playing into that divisive argument and debate arena is really playing into what the devil wants for us. You know, the devil is called El Diablo for a reason. He is the great decider. Mm. When we choose to involve ourselves in conversations that become divisive and use that type of us-them language, we're playing into that. But what is, you know, the most uh, the most um, sacred heart of Jesus, faith solemnity is so rooted in the Eucharist, right? And what does the Eucharist tell us to be? To be unifying, to be community to seek common ground, to work together. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be able to work with other people with whom we disagree on some very difficult issues. Um, but, you know, as, as Catholics, we know we talked about this last time, our, our look forward to building a culture of life right now stems in walking with those moms who are in need mm-hmm. and find themselves, those moms and families who find themselves in difficult circumstances. Even here in New Jersey, where abortion is still going to be plentiful, you know, and, and abundantly available, right? 
but we need to work even harder. It's all hands on deck to build a culture of life. And this is something every one of us can participate in, whether it's through our prayer life, whether it's, you know, uh, you might be on the school board at your, school, at your public school. There are ways to impact other people through our discussion, through our engagement in a unifying way and not a divisive way, to be what we're meant to be. We're meant to be one church um, and holy and apostolic in all of our work, charitable always. Um, so that's really the path forward that we would hope and our bishop would hope uh, for us and, and for your listeners, too, um, Bishop, so I'm in the Diocese of Trenton. Bishop O'Connell has posted his um, kind of statement uh, after the Dobbs decision this morning, and that can be found in all of the um, Diocese of Trenton outlets, the uh, website and our uh, publication, The Monitor. And that, from what I hear, I think all of our bishops are um, busy writing their responses as well. They all are, you know, are in one accord and being grateful for this decision, but recognizing that we have to persevere in support of pregnant women and young families. We need to work together, you know, and now is the time for that, for sure. Amen. Well, Rachel, I want to thank you, as always, for being with us, and especially on this uh, very joyful day to share the good news and to clarify, maybe perhaps in the minds of many who had some questions or, or weren't sure exactly what this meant. But we appreciate it, and as you say, the work is just beginning, so we'll look forward to talking with you again next month. And can I just add one little sure. thing, Jen? Oh, I'm sure. sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the New Jersey Catholic Conference, headed by Executive Director Jim King, has um, compiled a webinar panel just for the state of New Jersey, um, and it's uh, going to be it's going to be like a post-row New Jersey, like how do we respond? Um, it's going to be on July 14th. And um, the registration for this will be coming out probably on Monday. If your listeners are interested, they can go to njcatholic.org and sign up for the action alerts there. That, that way they'll be the first to know how to register for this webinar. It'll be, again, um, Thursday, July 14th at 6.30 in the evening. We'll have a legal analyst who has extensive pro-life experience as an attorney, um, and working for, in the past, working for Americans United for Life. He'll talk about how the ruling might affect future legislation, both at the state level and federal level. Charlie Camosi is a New Jersey resident. He's also a professor of medical humanities and ethics at Creighton University School of Medicine and of moral theology at St. Joseph's Seminary. He'll be a panelist, as well as myself, talking about the parish response, like actual boots-on-the-ground action steps that we can take moving forward here in the state of New Jersey. This is brilliant. Rachel, you do such great work, and and the people in your office, and as you say, all these other advocates, and our homework starts now to be uh, become aware, become more educated, and just stay on top of things. And like you said, you know, sign up for the webinar, anything, everything we can do to read and um, educate ourselves to, be, to become knowledgeable. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate your support and, you know, offering this time for a little pro-life segment out to your listeners. Oh, great. So we'll talk to you again next month. Have a great uh, weekend and a, a great 4th of July. And we'll, we'll, we'll see you. We'll talk to you in July. Thank you so much, Rachel. All right. Thanks. God bless you. Thank you. Bye-bye. God bless.